Welcome to the Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast, where we are all about going beyond programs, beyond best practices, and beyond curriculum to recover and learn from our Wesleyan roots and to explore the foundations for small groups that produce disciples of Jesus Christ who in turn disciple others. My name is Scott Hughes, and I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship here at Discipleship Ministries. I'm Steve Manskar, Director of Wesleyan Leadership for Discipleship Ministries. Steve, it is good to be back and recording a podcast. It's been a while for, for us to do this. Yes, it has. We've we, been busy. We have been busy. That's true. We've not just been sitting around. Uh, so I, I know you've been uh, doing some workshops, especially in the Michigan area. Why don't you tell us what you've been up to? Well, a couple, let's see, it would have been March 11th. Um, I was invited to, I was the keynote speaker for the Kalamazoo District in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is in southwestern Michigan. And uh, they asked me to come up there and talk. I gave two keynote presentations um, on the topic they gave me was living the covenant and living the baptismal covenant and making the connection between baptism and discipleship and disciple making. So the first keynote was sort of more sort of theological foundation, historical foundations, making connection with Wesley and the general rules. And and then uh, the second one was more, okay, how do you apply this in a congregation? Mm. Where I made the case for congregations that are interested in being missional in terms of um, living the United Methodist mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. It's a good mission. That um, the congregation, you know, we've got the mission statement, but a lot of times, you know, we get this question a lot here is, okay, okay yeah. how do you make disciples? Yeah, what's the how? Well, the how is sort of grounded in what I call the rule of life. You know, the so Wesley gave us a rule of life called the general rules, mm-hmm. which are now summarized and adapted in the general rule of discipleship. So I made the case that congregations adopt the general rule of discipleship as their, gen, as their rule of life that then shapes, then they incorporate that into every small group in the congregation in some ways and and for individuals and families and gotcha. so i just gave some real practical ideas as to how to do that well at the end of the day they had like a half hour business session for the district and this is a you know, forgive me for forgetting your name district superintendent oh, no. <laughs> of the kalamazoo <laughs> district Dwayne. i know your your name is Dwayne. um the microphones just zap your memory yeah and <laughs> But Dwayne gave me his business card, and he has on the front of his business card the logo for Covenant Discipleship, which yeah. is a graphic representation of the general rule of discipleship. And then you flip that card over, and he's got the general rule of discipleship printed on his business card. Nice. Very cool. This is a DS that gets it. A man after your own heart. <laughs> and, yes. And so at the end of their business session, Dwayne said to the district, you know, he's going with the leading of the spirit here, that after what we've heard from Steve here, 
I propose that we adopt, as the Kalamazoo District, that we adopt the general rule of discipleship as our rule of life for the wow, district. that's wonderful. And it was a unanimous acclamation wow, saying yes. And so I expect to be invited back to, Kalam- to Kalamazoo and working with Dwayne and, and Pastor Wayne Price, who was the host pastor. At, okay. We did this at Westwood United Methodist Church in uh, Kalamazoo, and I was their preacher the next day. Oh, neat. Um, so it was, a, it was a really wonderful weekend. And then I've been sick ever since. That's so, <laughs> right. You were supposed to be at another event last weekend. Yes, and I was supposed to be in uh, Tuscola, Illinois, for the Illinois Great Rivers, doing similar work for them. But I had to reschedule that because of illness. I was sick pretty much all of last week. So, Yeah. But, but now uh, you're better. Uh, now I'm better. Getting ready to go to New York City tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but I know you've been off having fun and yeah, also doing some, some important work. I did work, have some fun last week. Uh, doing yeah. some important work with the um, Alabama West Florida Conference. Yeah, the region that um, a lot of people affectionately refer to as L.A., Lower Alabama, is where I was. Dothan and Pensacola and Montgomery. And um, got to be with them and, and leave, facilitate some courageous conversations with them which is some work that I've been been doing. And this was in response to a resolution that got referred at that annual conference about LBGTQ youth bullying. And so I'm helping them to have some structured conversation about that resolution since it was referred for to study and conversation and had a great time with them, with those folks. I got to see some uh, a lot of Methodist churches that I might not normally get to go to, so that was fun. Also got to make my way to Miss Myra's Pit Barbecue in Birmingham. Highly Ooh. recommend if you're in the area. <laughs> Alabama White Sauce. It is good stuff. Good eats there. Um, so, yeah, that's that's been a lot of fun for me to, to be a part of, and I get to go back next month and then again in the fall. So, Very you know, good. it's great when we have those long-term relationships and get to see how what we do, how it impacts so many. So that's it's yeah. been fun. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're, we're going to transition into the interview, and I'm ex- very excited about, for our listeners about this interview because I've had a chance to listen to it already, and Steve had a chance to interview somebody that I know our listeners are just going to – they're going to eat this up. So I'll let you introduce the interview and the interviewee. Yeah. The um, So the weekend before I was in Kalamazoo, I was at Asbury Theological Seminary, for the, where I attended the annual meeting of the Wesleyan Theological Society. And one of, I always look forward to that. I've been part of uh, WTS for a long time, and I look forward to this annual meeting. It's sort of like annual conference. It's okay. one time in the year you get to meet old friends, people you've met over the years. Annual conference for extreme Wesley nerds. Exactly. <laughs> Who are not, and it's all, it's not all United Methodists either. That's right. Lots of Nazarenes and Free Methodists and Wesleyans. And I even met two primitive Methodists pastors. Really? I've heard of primitive Baptists. I did not know a primitive Methodist. It's a very tiny denomination that has its roots in England, but they no longer exist in England. Okay. The primitive Methodist church only exists here in America. It's a really small denomination centered in um, Pennsylvania and Ohio. Um, and they may, they're probably in other places too, but sure. that's where most of them are today. And I actually, I met these two wonderful young men who hmm. were interested in my work. So we, wow, they cool. bought a couple of my books. And anyway, 
One of the people I always look forward to seeing at WTS is my good friend Phil Meadows, Dr. Phil Meadows. Um, I don't need to say a lot more about him right now because I introduced him in the interview, but uh, I'll just add that Phil has been a very good friend for a lot of years. In fact, I met him for the first time at my first WTS meeting that was held at uh, Roberts University outside of Rochester, New York, many years ago. And uh, Phil, uh, he's English. He's, as I say in the introduction, he's a member of the Methodist Church in Ireland. Okay. Um, but he lives in England with his family, uh, who are, they're now preparing to move to Wilmore, where he's taking the holy a, city. a faculty <laughs> position at Asbury starting in the fall, where one of their sons will be, be a student at, uh, at Asbury College. Um, and their other child, they'll be homeschooling there, and they'll, but they'll be living, splitting their time between Wilmore and wow. Chesterfield, wow. where they're going to keep their home there. Um, but Phil is, and Phil for several years has, he, he gives a lecture to the Wesley Pilgrims when mm. we're there. The night before we go and visit Epworth, Phil comes and spends, he gives a lecture on mission-shaped discipleship. And uh, the evaluations that we do at the end of the pilgrimage every year, that evening with Phil Meadows is always lifted up by many of the pilgrims as one of the high points of the 10 days. Well, I can see why after listening to this interview. Yeah. So I'm very excited that Phil agreed to to give this interview, and um, I think everyone's going to enjoy it. We're here at um, Asbury Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky, with my very dear friend, the Reverend Dr. Phil Meadows. Mm -hmm. Um, Phil is an ordained minister of the Methodist Church in Ireland. That's right. He is the, a senior research fellow at the Nazarene Theological College in Manchester, England. Mm-hmm. And he will soon be joining the faculty here at Asbury Theological Seminary this summer as professor of evangelization studies. Mm-hmm. I'm thrilled that Phil is going to be living on this side of the pond <laughs> at least part of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking forward to that and uh, doing um, hopefully more work with him. Mm. I met Phil many years ago at my first Wesleyan Theological Society meeting at Roberts Method, well, Roberts Wesleyan College in Rochester, New York. Um, and he's, for the last several years, he's become a very important part of the annual Wesley pilgrimage in England, where the pilgrims spend an evening with Phil, and he comes and gives a lecture on mission-shaped discipleship. And that evening with Phil is consistently rated as one of the high points of the pilgrimage for, of the, by the pilgrims themselves. And so I'm, I'm thrilled to have Phil with us and have this opportunity to, to talk to him and have him talk to us today about the, band, the early Methodist band meeting and how the band meeting is practiced today. So, Phil, t- can talk to us. Talk to you about the band meeting. <laughs> the band meeting, yes. <clears throat> well, um, for those that, uh, that, that might have some small idea about fellowship in early Methodism, there would be the societies, um, uh, which would be more like a congregation of a church, and 
And then class meetings um, of maybe a dozen or so people. Mm -hmm. um, and then these band meetings, which were very small groups, um, usually between three and five people um, that would meet together. Um, you'd think that with all of that other fellowship, you wouldn't need anything more. Um, but actually, um, these different kinds of fellowship with different numbers of people, it's not about the numbers. It's really about um, the quality and depth of relationship that you can have within certain kinds of fellowship that are mm -hmm. certain different kinds of size. So, you know, within a, within a society meeting, a congregation, you can get to know people so long, but you can also meet week after week with the mm -hmm. same people um, and never really know them, uh, only to say hello or very simple things about their, their lives or projects that you might work on together. And then, you know, there's these, uh, these smaller groups, these class meetings of 12 or so where people would, uh, would begin to get to know each other better. They'd probably meet in people's homes, you know, and start asking questions about how they're going and their family and you know, develop mutual affection for one another and, you know, begin perhaps even to pray for one another and mm -hmm. things of that nature um, and guide one another a little. Maybe, you know, some of our kind of contemporary home group Bible studies um, uh, and that, that sort of thing um, arise out of that, that, that more class meeting size of group. But then um, you have these small groups and something really special that happens in these small groups that, that doesn't happen in quite the same way in these other larger groups, not mm -hmm. even in the group of 12. Um, you have a group of, say, between three and five people. Um, in my experience, the fewer the better. So three or four people, actually, where the goal, as I read it, would be to develop true spiritual friendship and what i mean by friendship is not just cursory you know how's it going uh, you know um and or even just being there for people when they might need you um it's about really um sharing life quite deeply with one another so you know uh, it's the kind of friend that you have who knows you uh, knows you from the inside out, knows what you're like, what makes you tick, you know, knows the way that you think, knows the kind of desires that you have, the aspirations, the fears, the tremblings, knows your joys, your sadnesses, knows, uh, knows the kind of challenges that you have in life, you know, um, and, and doesn't just know those because they're nosy, you know, um, knows them because to be known like that by somebody, it, even in all of our weaknesses, is is a, a joyful and healing thing to be known like that but not just to be known but to be known and loved um, for who you are all the way down and when people get to know you like that and travel through life with you like that in that kind of spiritual friendship with the kind of spiritual conversation that you can have with that smaller very small group of people um, when you're in, when you when you develop those sorts of friendships, you often discover that you're traveling the same kind of journey. You have the same kinds of fears and hopes, um, and you can strengthen one another. And uh, we were just talking about this earlier. Provoke one another, you know, mm -hmm. um, to mm -hmm. to love and good works. And for me, then um, you can have a, a sort of spiritual conversation with one another. It's not about it's not just about sharing kind of how it's going uh, merely. We do share um, in that way. And I, I would say it's not even just sort of account about accountability um, in the sense that, you know, 
people are watching us to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing or checking in with us or something like that. We do share, and there is a sort of accountability, but the reason we do that stuff is because we want to help one another really find the presence and the power of God at work in our lives. In other words, it's what Wesley would call a means of grace, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so actually, when you meet prayerfully for just for, for spiritual conversation with, with three or four other people in this way in a band meeting, um, it's, it's, it's not just a meeting of, of human beings, of friends. Um, it's a meeting with Jesus. You know, Jesus says we're two or more, two or three. I, when, when, when Jesus said that, when I first heard that stuff, I used to think that, that Jesus really liked the crowd, you know. Um, but if you could only gather a, a few people, I'll still show up, you know, because that's the kind of loving savior he is. Yeah. And then I kind of thought, well, what if actually when he says that, two or three people or, or, or more, what it, he means is he, he really loves to show up with small groups of people. That's his preferred option, you know, because when people share their lives together that way and that deeply, actually we find that that Jesus can speak into one another's lives through the conversation that we have to encourage, to challenge, to comfort, to heal, to forgive, to embrace. And so it becomes a really deeply transformative, um, transformative experience. And, 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 um, you find this sort of language when you read um, some of the letters and the, the the accounts of band meeting by the early Methodists. These sorts of deep friendships, but more than just deep friendship, it's a real encounter with the with Jesus, the power of His Spirit, His leading and guiding. So the overall goal, you know, is that we learn how to follow Jesus, uh, hear His voice, be obedient to Him, and grow in His likeness. And so Wesley really believed that these sort of meetings were crucial um, for for um, maximizing our our spiritual um, transformation, our spiritual growth, um, and uh, you know one of his uh, controversial uh, doctrines, Christian perfection, right? Which yeah. I know you've written a little, written a book on. Um, yes, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Uh, uh, at least to. Um, bringing that that doctrine to life for people, uh, when I when I as I've studied Wesley's doctrine of Christian perfection, um, what I see him doing is really just taking all of the promises of Scripture of the kind of people we can become, which really amounts to looking like Jesus, learning how to think mm-hmm. and live and speak and feel and act in the same way that Jesus would, becoming Christ-like, you know, and becoming as fully Christ-like as one possibly can, you know, as a human being like we are. Um, that these band meetings, meeting together in this way, having these conversations, getting to know one another, was a way of catalyzing our discipleship and that process of growth into Christ-likeness. And it does it in a way that is deep and rich, a way that exceeds anything you can do with a dozen people or certainly a congregation full of people. It just mm-hmm. doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so for those those in the early Methodist movement who had given their lives to Christ, who were... Uh, who n- knew the forgiveness of their sins, they were born again, they were uh, converts, if you like. When they got to that stage, Wesley always encouraged them to also get into these these small groups so that they could really press in and press on um, towards um, that transformation in Christ-likeness. And those that didn't would not really grow in the same way um, as those as those that would. Um, and so, so this, as a catalyst of transformation... But more than that, too, I mean, I think that they they also formed um, a really helpful um, uh, function in the life and growth of of the of Methodist societies and communities, because very many of the 
leaders of the class meetings, you know, were also nurtured in the bands. The bands yeah. yeah. So, so, so those, those who were really pursuing for themselves the depth of the Christian life and of growing as disciples were then able to bring that pursuit, their own pursuit, into uh, the class meeting. And because, of course, a leader in the class meeting would often be the one that went first in sharing how things were going and then encourage others to follow suit. Um, and so he would be able to share, or she would be able to share, um, you know, uh, the, their, their experiences arising out of their growth um, through that, the band meeting and bring that into the class meeting. A bit like your new book, if I can plug that right now. <laughs> well, thank you, know, you, Phil. Yeah, you're most welcome. You know, um, these, uh, these people meeting in bands were, were, were serious disciples mm -hmm. who were serious about making disciples. You know? So mm -hmm. they really pursued it for all discipleship for all its depth in these band meetings. And then the class, as leaders of class meetings, became, you know, that became the, 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 uh, the context within which they could also um, disciple others. Mm -hmm. um, so so the, it pro provided a great function. And of, often also those who um, became Wesley's sort of apostolic preachers, um, might have uh, been meeting in band meetings and had others discern, help them discern their calling to do those sorts of things. Um, I mean, who who are you going to who are you going to really listen to, you know, when it comes to the desire to discern what God might be speaking to you about in your life or calling you to, especially when they are huge decisions. You know, mm -hmm. surely it's going to be people that you know know you, that who 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 know you know your strengths, know your weaknesses, know your temptations. You know, can can really help you discern fully um, how you know what whether God is in a calling like that, and and in what way, and to what ends, and to help you wrestle with you know, um, often not not just not not to hold you back, you know, but to actually encourage you to actually step by step by faith into those things which mm -hmm. actually the flesh would hold you back from from doing because you know our our fears always want to keep us in our comfort zones and so i think the last thing you know that as i'm just thinking about this is is the real is the the connection between this kind of fellowship um and and the and the spirit of a missionary you know um mission the mi missionary spirit um that um you know the the most people, when they, they they begin walking closely with Jesus and uh, and are led by His Spirit, they they'll they'll feel, you know, they feel the the, the impulses of the Spirit. That they'll sense the call of Jesus to step in out in faith in various ways in their Christian walk, whether that's leadership in the church or whether it's you know sharing your faith with colleagues at work, mm -hmm. you know, whatever the context might be. And of course, you know, the the greatest stumbling block, you know, to us living into the fullness of what Jesus wants us to do is our own fears. You know, we're afraid to do those things for all kinds of reasons. Uh, um, maybe not afraid of the situation, maybe afraid that we don't have what it takes or whatever. Um, and and, and th those, those people meeting in bands um, often thought about what they were doing as a, a form of, you know, can I put it this way, of spiritual warfare, mm. you know, where, where, where the enemy of our souls, you know, whether you, you believe that that's, um, you know, uh, the work of, 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 the, of, of the devil or, 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 or evil spirits or whatever, or whether it's just, you know, your own worst self, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, tempting you to, to quit, to resign, to not do things, you know, to not move on um, with, uh, with, with Jesus, to grow. 
and um, they they would would pray for one another, wrestle, wrestle with God, uh, uh, and wrestle with one another, uh, and for one another, um, to help us honestly listen to what God is saying, and move um, forward with Him um, in the directions that He would take us to become the kind of people that He wants us to be and to do the things that He wants us to do. Um, so, you know. I've not mentioned uh, I've not mentioned sin at all um, so far, and, and that, I've done that deliberately because sometimes I think you know when 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 we talk about the band meeting, the first thing that people wheel out right are, are the the five questions that the, the, right. That's what I was wondering, right? Because that that's what I always, when I in workshops and I'm trying you know explaining to United Methodists, late, mostly lay people. Mm the organization of the early Methodist society with the society and the classes and right. then the bands right. and I described the band one of the primary dynamic what happened in the mm -hmm. band was mm -hmm. we were all all men yeah or all women yeah si single men married yep. men yeah or single women or married women yeah and they would confess yeah. their sins to each other yeah yeah um, so talk to yeah well, the reason that I didn't do that is because because um, I because it's easy. Well, I have found people falling into temptation of hearing that and then immediately walking away disheartened that they couldn't possibly, you know, meet with yeah. people and talk about their deepest sins. Because, in a way, then um, you, the, what your imagination about these groups becomes a bunch of people basically just like kind of pouring out their moral failures with one another, you know. Um, and I think that misses the point, and that, which is why I don't start there. What I, yeah. When I think about band meetings, I start, what's the point? What, what, what is this for? Now, now Wesley, did to, one of the, the key texts for describing band meeting, of course, was, was, is taken from the epistle of, of James, mm -hmm. you know. Um, confess your sins to one another. It's James 5. You remember the verse? I'm trying to remember. That. I'll let you be looking that one up as as I speak. But well, but um, uh, James, so so James James says you know it's in the fifth chapter of James. I know that. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll we'll we we know it, and we'll just keep it quiet for the listeners. You know, it's a, right. a bit of homework. Um, right. So, um, you know that epistle of straw that Luther didn't like, probably for this very reason. Um, so it's confess your sins to one another, so that you may be healed. Right now, but that's the key thing. Because typically what people hear when they just look at those questions about, you know, what sins have you committed and, you know, how many and are you sure you've told us all of your sins and, you know, are the things that you're hiding from us, you know. Yeah. Um, it, 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 all we tend to remember is the first bit, confess your sins. Right. 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 But the logic is confess your sins so that you may be healed. Okay. Now, now that's the crucial point. When you understand, you know, that, that what God wants to do is for you, and, and by healing, of course, in the, in the scripture, it, it really is about wholeness, fullness of life, right? Shalom, healing, um, in all of it, in all of that sense, not um, as well as the healing body and soul, you know. Um, uh, and, and one way to think about what it means to be healed is to become more Christ-like, to become fully well, the kind to be of, free, to be fully the person, person you created exactly, to be, exactly. in the image of Christ. Right, exactly. And and so, um, and so that that's why I think it's we, the best place to start with thinking about bands is about what the goal is, and the goal is that. And then when that makes sense, when you start to hunger and thirst for that, you know, um, then. Then you and you ask, well, now how do we do that? How do we 
really put our, ourselves on full stretch for that whole and healed life, mm -hmm. then, you know, um, band meeting becomes sense. Then you know that you have to begin to share with one another your strengths and your weaknesses, mm -hmm. your your attainments and your failures, you know, and your aspirations and your hopes and fears and so on. And I would say that, you know, when, 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 when we talk about sin in that context, it's not just about moral failure. Yeah. It's about our brokenness. It's about right. our weakness. Yeah. It's about the darknesses, the depression that's in our lives. It's about the, the temptations that we have to give up, to quit, you know, to, to not r run the race, to fight the fight, the good fight. Um, and so, so um, I, I think that when we have all of that, when we have that bigger understanding, you know, we can begin then to, to parse that language of confess, confession of sin. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it begins to make sense. We can understand why mm -hmm. um, Wesley might mm -hmm. talk about that and begin to think about how we might do that, what that might mean for us today um, to share life with one another. Well, this has been great, Phil. So I'm looking at the time and unfortunately... I could spend another at least half an hour, Indeed. Um, but we need to um, wrap up. So like, I'm going to give you a challenge here. In one minute, if you yeah. could help our listeners understand why the band meeting is, an import, is, important, is, is important today as it was in the 18th century with the early Methodists. What would you say to them? I would say that um, the band meeting is the most crucial form of fellowship um, for uh, the church today. I say that because um, with uh, because without the band meeting, we're not going to raise up the kind of um, leadership and zeal that we need for mm -hmm. the church. And by leaders, I don't mean ordained people. I just mean people right. people who are yeah. really hungry and thirsty. Disciples who can disciple Disciples who others. can disciple others. Yeah. And we need that band meeting because we know that we all are busy. We, we have, there are many temptations to, there are many things that will dissipate our lives, distract us. And, you know, just, just, you know, we can, everything can peter out so quickly. We need those people around us who will help us keep our eyes on Jesus, who will help us keep fighting the good fight of faith and going deeper with him um, day by day. If we have that, then mm -hmm. out of that, that becomes a catalyst for, you know, other kinds of small group meetings. You get the best best Bible study meetings when, mm -hmm. when you have those kinds of people right. leading or participating in them, the best prayer meetings, you know, the, the best outreach um, meetings, the best service projects, you it's know. Class meetings. Exactly, class meetings, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, and then the overflow of that, if you can see this, is sort of ripple effect, you yeah. know. And yeah. then, then you have the best congregations. You yeah. know, you have the best... Um, the best, the pe people who who gather to sing um, from authentic hearts as people who are really seeking to know and love God and celebrate who He is and what He does in our our lives, um, because we are walking deeply with Him, not yeah. because not not because we're going to worship, just simply to be reminded what we're meant to be, yeah. you know, or who God is, um, but more as a, a, a more at the end of the week as a celebration mm -hmm. of how we have traveled with God through the week. So I think, I think that, that it is a missing dimension, um, mm -hmm. a missing dimension, and this is my last thing, that, that, even, that Jesus knew was even important. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know, Jesus had his 12, his right. class meeting. 
mm -hmm. if you like. But Jesus also had his band, you know, Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. The inner circle right. of three plus Jesus, um, who he shared his, you know, his most profound moments in his life. That we life heard about if you, if you read the lectionary, you know, the Transfiguration Sunday. Exactly. He took yeah. his band with him. Yep. To, to share that experience with him. Right, and he took his band into the, into the house and when, when he yeah. raised the, the little girl from the dead yeah. and he took them into Gethsemane. Mm -hmm. We all, where are those deep, deep spiritual friends, which you can only have so num many of because, you know, it takes an investment, who will go all the way from the Mount of Transfiguration, <laughs> the joy, the shine, you know, into the darkness yeah. of Gethsemane. Yeah. Uh, and and if, if Jesus needed those friends, you know, we are not above our master, Steve, yeah. I think. That's a good place to stop. Amen. Thank you very much, Phil. This Bless is you. great. Bless you. Bless you. Well, I know our listeners enjoyed that as much, at least as much as I did. That was really illuminating in, in all that y'all covered. And you covered a lot of ground. And I think it's really important to uh, remind us of our Wesleyan roots and the band meeting. A lot's been made of the class meeting recently, which is a great thing. Uh, but sometimes we leave off that band meeting. And I really appreciated how Phil talked about what happens in a band meeting, the goal of the band meeting, not in a negative connotation. And I think that's what a lot of people fear about band meetings is, as he said, we're going to come and pour out all our moral failings to each other, which would scare anybody. Right. Yeah. So I think he did a great job of talking about, and you did, you did too, Steve, about healing being the point of confession and freedom being the point mm -hmm. uh, that we get mm -hmm. to experience. And I think those were just valuable insights into how the band meeting can help us today. And I know he's done some work with that today and has an organization I'll let you explain some more yeah, about the, that. Yeah, and it's just that the band meeting and the class meeting classes complement one another, and That's we right. need both. That's right. And yes, Phil has devoted many years of his life to building a, a network that promotes disciple, missional discipleship and missional yeah. communities shaped around the band meeting model called Inspire. Okay. That is based mostly he does he's done most of course most of his work in in England, in Britain and in Ireland. He's got there are some congregations on this side of the Atlantic that are using that model and we're hoping to do more yeah, when, great. as Phil comes to Asbury that we're hoping to do more of that on this side of the Atlantic. Yeah. Um but if you want to learn more about what Phil was talking about and how to apply this today in your congregation, I'm going to give you a website URL to go visit. And there's some really, they've put together some really fine resources. And it's inspiremovement.org. It's inspiremovement, all together is one word, dot org. All right. Very good. Um, so we hope people will... Uh, look into those resources and begin their, their band meetings. Uh, take take a, a chance to do something a little different, a little deeper, that I think will really, as as Phil said, really inspire um, the zeal within the congregation to yeah. grow. I think yeah. that was that was great. Uh, we do have a giveaway winner, uh, Lucina Halligan. Halligan. Lucina Halligan. Yay, Lucina. Yay, Lucina. Uh, we had a good Twitter exchange, an email exchange about some of her questions in small groups, and we're actually going to 
get to those in an upcoming episode, which I know you're really going to enjoy. Lucina is the director of Lay Servant Ministries and Upper New York Conference. So way to go, Lucina. Got a reward coming your way. Um, Steve, where can people find you on Twitter? At S. Manscar is my Twitter handle. And I'm Rev Scott's Tweets and also at UMC Adult Form for adult formation. And so I hope you'll reach out to us on Twitter, uh, email us. You can find us our email addresses on our website, umcdiscipleship.org. And I hope you'll ask questions, tell us what you like, what you don't like, suggestions of what you want us to cover. And we look forward to connecting with you and being in ministry with you. I hope you'll also take a moment and go on iTunes and leave us a review there. So until next time, peace. Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.